0: Welcome to my second Stories from the Career Couch podcast. I want you to meet my three lovely guests who will be talking to me about how they find meaning and purpose in their work. They all have very different life stories and interesting perspectives to share with you. I hope they're going to describe experiences and themes that really resonate. We all carry narratives, assumptions and saboteurs that sit alongside our strengths and our future plans, don't we? Let's explore this mystery that goes on in our heads and its relationship with the outside world of work. Covid seemed like a great time to ask some of my clients to reflect on their working lives and write their career stories. These are real people, so life's messy and it's complicated and it doesn't always meet expectations. Today you'll meet three of the writers who will give you an insight into how they conceive the reality of work and how to find purpose. Finding meaning and purpose I don't think is about the pursuit of hedonism. It's about understanding what interests and motivates you and then working through the difficult times. It's about accessing something more valuable than happiness, a sense that we've made a difference. I think it's about beliefs and behaviours that you cherish and give you a sense of meaning and satisfaction. What would a world be like where we just focused on developing what we do really well? However, I do think there's a strong relationship between what these strengths are and what we experience as meaningful. I don't think this has to be an organisation with a high social or environmental quality of mission. I think it's about understanding the purpose for you and using the best of who you are. I'd like to introduce you to my first guest, Diana Copper. Diana was brought up in Italy and has had a rich career working in international relations. She's a senior leader now and she thrives on working on knotty strategic issues and building committed and diverse teams. She's highly academic and she writes in her career story that she felt a career to make it right would be a good place to start. As she was about to leave school, she says she was torn between otium and negotium, two Latin words that indicate the struggle between wanting a life of contemplation holed up in her books or a life of action, a life of purpose, a life for others. Welcome, Diana.
1: Thank you, Susie. It's great to be here.
0: I'd like to ask you how your sense of purpose, Diana, changed, or has it changed, really, from the time when you left school?
1: Um, So, thank you for that question. My sense of purpose really developed quite early in in life. Um, I was always quite a sensitive child, and I had a very keen sense of right and wrong and the sort of sense of justice. Um, And I also grew up in a family where sort of my parents had travelled a lot. And so I had a sort of sense of adventure and a curiosity about the world. So really working in sort of international relations, travelling, working and sort of my first job really was in, in a humanitarian setting. And that really sort of tested my sense of purpose. In uh, in a fundamental way, um, and whilst I was sort of feeling that I was making a difference, I also encountered um, significant challenges and sort of a feeling of of helplessness, really, in the face of um, the complexity and the and the suffering that I was witnessing. And uh, it took me really some time to sort of process this and really develop a broader understanding of myself as a person and what work and work purpose meant to me and i think if i if i think about um you know sort of what i've learned from that and how that can sort of relate to to everyone uh, thinking about their sense of purpose i think it's really important to ask oneself and keep asking oneself where is the yearning for purpose coming from um, what need are we trying to um, to respond to in the t- career choices that we make? Um, and also talk to others about what a career on the ground is really like, whether it's you know in the humanitarian setting as in my experience or or any job really um, and also being patient with oneself because we do evolve and we do change, and my sense of purpose and the way I see work and its meaning in my life has really changed. In the, in the last few years.
0: Yeah, and Diana, I remember in your writing, you wrote, I chose a career propelled by my emotional response to the world around me, um, which I guess is what you're saying at the beginning of your career. Did that change? Do you still have that emotional response or is it something a little bit different?
1: Um, yes, I do. But I think what's really changed for me is that I pay a lot more attention to not only a to what I do but also to how I do it and where I do it. So and the how really comes in in terms of what skills do I like using. Um and you know over the years I've really sort of developed I really enjoy solving problems. Um and it you know the nature of the problem and of itself is not you know necessarily the Um, most important feature I really enjoy working with others and seeing our others grow and that you know as a manager that's a really great skill and something that gives me a lot of joy in my day-to-day job and also um, where I work so working in an organization and the context where uh, my values and my Uh, And where I feel safe and where I can sort of really express myself is really important. So again, you know, I think it's really important for people thinking about purpose in work um, to really ask themselves, like, what do I enjoy doing, you know, on a day to day basis? What skills do I enjoy using? What are my key values? and where can I find an environment and a culture where those values are met and that I can thrive as a person um, and really sort of broadening out that sense of purpose in work in terms of purpose in life. And uh, But again, you know, I think sometimes it's really important not to take oneself too seriously. I've uh, definitely been... Uh, been a, a culprit of being too earnest. So just checking in with oneself and, and um, you know, understanding that we change and what we care about and what we enjoy really changing.
0: Yeah, I think when we're talking about career, it's really easy to be earnest, isn't it? And we forget joy and hedonism, which hopefully are, are really important drivers for us as human beings too. Um, yeah, I guess what you're saying it's not just about quality of mission. It's about something. It's about something de- deeper and related to what you find fulfilling, and that sort of sense of mastery, which then gives you gives you a lot of meaning in your work. Um, I'm interested. Also, you talk about your early life, and I wonder whether your sense of purpose was something that was individually determined, or was it about pleasing others? Was it was it about doing the right thing?
1: Absolutely. I think. My interest in a sort of big international career, uh, helping others, was also very shaped as how I wanted to be perceived in the world and what I wanted others to think about me, um, rather than sort of necessarily uh, only how I uh, perceived myself and my own sense of self worth. And I think that's something that definitely comes with, with maturity and with, um, and with experience really this letting go of the expectations uh, of your family, of your school, of your friends, and really going back to what you were saying, Susie, about joy. What do I enjoy? What brings me joy? And how can I live a, li- a life that is aligned with my deep values and and what I really treasure? And that can be, um, you know, supporting someone in your local community or, you know, working in, in a big international process it doesn't it doesn't matter it really goes back to who I am as a person and and what drives me as an individual and the community that I belong to.
0: Yeah and I guess that's about an evolving sense of self isn't it and I wondered whether you get your sort of purpose from what you do day to day in your international organisation or where, whether there are other things in your life which also dovetail to give you that sense of meaning and fulfilment?
1: Well, absolutely. I think the quality of the relationships that we have in our lives is absolutely fundamental, whether it's with a partner or with our family of origin or um the family that we create and our friends and and i also think that cultivating self care in a sense of you know whether it's our physical and mental health whether it's participating in culture and community that's really important it sort of really creates um a complete human being in a way i haven't really traveled that that much far from sort of my latin studies and what sort of constituted a a good life a life worth living um which is a rich life where there is a purposeful um job but there is also time to Enrich ourselves with culture and art and really have meaningful relationships that sustain us um, both at work and outside of work.
0: Thanks so much, Diana. I'm going to come back to you and ask you to um, explore with our other guests a bit later in the podcast. I'd now like to introduce you to Sean Davey. After spending his 20s building a career as a brand strategist, Sean decided to make a radical move. And he left his well-paid job and he joined the Year Here programme. This programme offers on-the-job and classroom training to work um, in social en- innovation. He wrote in his career story that he wanted to make big changes while he still could. No kids, no mortgage and live a life in pursuit of something bigger than just financial security. It's great to have you here, Sean.
2: Thanks, Susie.
0: Sean, you talk about being in pursuit of a different value than financial security. A year into the programme, what are you discovering about the values that are really important to you? And how do you see them coming alive in your work?
2: Um, So still no kids and no mortgage uh, and the freedom to explore, which is good because that would have uh, been bad timing. Um, What I would say is that year here so far has been absolutely the most transformational year of my life and, and certainly my working life um and i think that a huge part of that was because i was hungry for something new and you know i really opened myself up to that change so i would say adventure is probably the first value if that if that can be considered a value that's the the thing that i value that's been driving this um and it's you know i think that's something that as we build lives and we build security and we have things to lose we lose that sense of adventure and, you know, we talk a lot um, in psychology and coaching and things like that in the sessions that we've done together about our inner child and paying attention to that. And I think I've never been so in touch with my inner child because, you know, I've just not given it the the space, the freedom to play and to tap into that joy. So I think, yeah, adventure has been a really big driving theme for me this year. Um and and I guess you know for the people listening at home, I what I what I'm keen for them not to be swept along with is is this idea that like leaving your job or leaving your career is a straightforward decision. I I spent a lot of time procrastinating. I spent a lot of time catastrophizing and scenario planning, and um, I actually quit twice in the end. You know, first of all in January 2020, um, and then fortunately through a series of conversations, I ended up sort of. Staying on for another 18 months in the end, uh, which was probably too long, but it gave me the chance to transition out of the job well, to help steer the ship through uh, the lockdown. And obviously at that point, we didn't really know how long that was going to go on for. Um, But yeah, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a sort of overnight decision. I didn't wake up one day and think I'm going to pack it all in. It was very much a sort of considered thing. But I think, I think, you know, what was driving that decision for me was around autonomy. Um, and, you know, when we were going through that process of of writing together with you and, and you were coaching us through it, I think the thing that came up for me, and it was only really on sort of you know, four or five drafts in, I think, was that idea that I'd been following a path that was based on what I thought my parents wanted and the sort of things they'd said to me when I was growing up. So it was all about valuing stability, having a steady job, having a good salary. And those were some of the things that maybe they didn't have in their childhoods and had worked so hard to get and had, you know, placed so much value on. And actually, you know, I was following that path without really stopping to question, first of all, the fact that my dad had quit his job and set up his own business. So I was following what they said rather than what they did. But also, you know, I not really, Taking that time to think about what was important to me and what I valued, so autonomy has always been an important thing, but it that that was really what drove my transition towards you here, I think.
0: Yeah, thanks, Sean. I think it's so uh, interesting when we think about those, uh, what counsellors called life scripts that we have from our parents. And I think when we're younger, we see those as very black and white, don't we, as you were saying. Um, and then we, when we get a bit more mature, and we look behind the, the the sort of headlines, we see something which is a lot more a lot more nuanced and complex. And then we begin to think, Okay, are these the values that I want, or are they the values that I want to leave behind? And um, and that's that's real bravery. And uh, just a quick plug for another podcast: we have one on bravery. So, um, Sean, you needed to have been a guest on that one, really. Um, but as you say, the bravery uh, and and finding that purpose takes a little while, and it needs a bit of preparation too. Um, and I love your idea about playing um, our other podcasts on life stages. Is- uh, we were talking uh, to, to Stephen, one of the guests, and he is in his 60s and he feels he's gone back to his romper pursuit. He's now experimenting and playing. So I wonder whether there are times in our lives that we can do that other than uh, other than when we're really young, too. Uh, but is, is it I, I'm interested whether it's a straightforward correlation between the quality of the mission of the organisation and the amount of meaning you get from, from your work.
2: Yeah, so I think that's a classic, um, you know, certainly having spent time on, bo- on both sides, you know, in the private sector and now more on the front line. it's That's a classic grass is greener sort of mindset, the idea that, oh, if I had the, the perks and the benefits and the pay that come in the private sector, maybe my life wouldn't be so uh, stressful or being in the private sector and thinking, if only I was doing something meaningful and something with purpose, I would you know, work harder and work longer. And actually the, the reflection that I had on this, the person I've probably learned the most from is someone that I've met a year here. I've met loads of amazing, amazing people. Um, but one of them is a guy called Roger. And Roger has uh, been out to lots of war zones and, and working with uh, organizations like Doctors Without Borders. And we were working together on on the previous stage that I was on up on Broadwater Farm in Tottenham. So not not comparable in any way, but um, Roger was just always positive, always calm, always prioritising like breaks and relationships and that sort of self-care element over productivity. And, you know, when we got into it, he said, you know when you're in a war zone and you're distributing aid working an extra hour is literally the difference between life and death and so people are constantly burning out because of that guilt and that sense that you know working the extra shift working the extra hour really really does make a difference and that is a really really hard lesson to learn that you have to take care of yourself in that context Mm, mm. and and i you know i'm i'm incredibly blessed to learn that second hand I think and to be exposed to people like Roger who have been there you know have that experience but I, it's really you know working on the front line and, and and working within the NHS working on estates up in Tottenham at the sharp end of health inequalities um you know working with carers now what we we really see is compassion and self-care are such important things and I and I really just don't think you can oversimplify it to say you know in a purpose driven organisation self care is not as important as looking after the beneficiaries or looking after the people that you do the work for but it would you know I also know coming from the private sector that there's a huge number of people there that are burned out and don't know how to look after themselves so definitely think it's a false dichotomy to sort of think oversimplify it
0: yeah, thanks. And I, I think it's really interesting going back to what Diana was saying as well. Is that um, that sense of earnestness, which uh, can often come uh, when you're doing something which feels truly meaningful in terms of the quality of the mission of of, of that organisation. So it's sort of letting go of that, but also, um, yeah, allowing yourself to to, to nurture uh, nurture yourself and and create a sort of well being. Otherwise, you're no good to anybody. Um, absolutely, and. Uh, I'd just like you to give us some tips, really, when you're looking for career fulfilment. What would be your top tips, Sean?
2: Yeah, so very quickly, because uh, I, I, I don't think I'm, you know, I'm sort of mid-career and I don't, don't want to take too much time. But um, I guess the top one would be that old cliche, which is feel, feel the fear and do it anyway. Um, you know, nine months ago, I, as I said, I catastrophized a lot. I was, I was doing lots of scenario planning and actually when you take that leap of faith um you know good things come and and when you when you make space things positive things flood into your life and i think my biggest fear was like throwing 7 years of experience 7 years of hard work and it down the drain and actually i've got no doubt in my mind now that the network that i've created through this program the expansion of my skill set Um, you know, my levels of energy and optimism and, and, you know, even the frameworks that I've learned on the course, these are all things that massively add to my professional experience. And, you know, my goal is very much to start my own business. But for people who are listening, who, you know, maybe have thought about taking a sabbatical or doing something a bit different, I would say it makes you a far more rounded person. And, you know, really taking time out to explore those things is going to help you rather than hurt you in terms of your... Career development.
0: My third and final guest today is Amy Amin. Amy uh, had a sort of traditional hothouse secondary academic education in London and then decided to train as a lawyer after doing her degree in Spanish. Uh, She has loved being a lawyer, especially the relationship building, and she's now returning back to law. Um, She's got two very young daughters. Welcome, Amy. Thanks, Susie, for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm really looking forward to talking to you. How did the messages from your family and your community shape your definition, really, of what Purposeful Work was about? So purpose is something that wasn't
3: actually discussed um, as I was growing up. And it wasn't something that I was really aware of until much later in life. Um, The focus for me growing up was always on achieving academic excellence. Um, And, you know, the stereotype that's out there about immigrant, immigrant parents and their expectations around their children's education certainly rang true for me you know, nothing but 100% was good enough and I had to achieve um, very high marks and um, choose well-respected subjects in order to um, meet the expectations of my family and the community around me. And, you know, just to explain why this happens, you know, my family came here from Uganda having had to leave everything behind, all their wealth behind. And so what motivated them to raise me in this way was wanting a strong foundation for us in a new country. And their belief as new people here was that this would be achieved through academic excellence and by becoming a professional. So the messages were become a doctor or a dentist or a pharmacist or an accountant because they will give you success, They will give you financial stability. They will earn you respect in a country where we are new. And so I grew up with the message that I needed to work hard, do well at school and actually well wasn't good enough. I needed to be top of the class um, and then move on to a very respectable job um, that would give me all the things that my family believed um, would guarantee happiness So, yeah, very much a focus on achievement, success and wealth. So purpose was not something I really thought about until my mid to late 30s, to be honest.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, Amy. I mean, what strikes me is that your parents had a very clear sense of purpose um, and their purpose was as you described it. Uh, And yeah, it just I I guess there wasn't any necessarily uh, necessary reflection on you as an individual. Um, But uh, you've begun to do that. And I wonder how your definition of purpose has changed throughout your career. Working
3: in law, the emphasis is quite often on progression and progressing through a hierarchy, uh, more often on that than the actual subject matter of what you're working on. And I found that the job just sometimes felt like climbing a very slippery pole. And I didn't enjoy that aspect of the job because I knew there was a tension there because whilst I wanted to fit in and, you know, be part of the hierarchy, it wasn't something that felt natural to me. It wasn't something that I was particularly motivated by. And after a few years of working in a firm where that felt like the emphasis, I thought, right, let me change, go somewhere else. And then I found that changing jobs changing my area of law still didn't help and so that's when I felt right I need to confront this issue in more depth and that led me to career coaching and so the work that I did with you in my you know let's say let's be generous and say my mid-30s was when I um, I think really started to ask myself about purpose and meaning in my career, and there were various exercises that we did during our sessions, things that you sent me off to do on my own that caused me to self reflect a lot. There were a lot of things that were revealed about me um, from some of the tests we did, some of the conversations we had. I became very um, aware of what were my strengths, but more importantly, my saboteurs in the workplace. And so it was a re- really gradual process of um, how my definition of purpose changed because it involved having to literally start from scratch and ask myself lots of very basic um, but quite pertinent questions about why I had got to where I was. Um, And, you know, it was quite uncomfortable, actually, some of the things that I had to accept about myself in the workplace. It was like having you know, one of those magnifying mirrors held up to my face, like right in my face where you can see like, you know, all your blemishes and everything. (laughs) And
0: uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty brave thing to do, Amy. And what did you discover about yourself?
3: So part of what
0: I discovered is what
3: I've had to learn to accept that there are certain things that I'm good at that I've never valued about myself. I'm, I learned that I'm very organized, that I'm, very good at relationship building that I get really caught into the details of a subject and because when you're sometimes when you're naturally strong in certain areas it's very easy to take those things for granted and sort of focus on what you're struggling with or what you see other people are good at and then not really valuing your own strengths and so the the coaching we did really helped me to identify what it is that I'm good at and then value it
0: yeah and and so did you correlate your strengths with your sense of purpose then um i think so what
3: there were two sort of things happening in parallel because what i was also discovering was that i really really value balance um and whilst there'd been a lot of focus on excellence and high achievement and all of these things in my education and the early part of my career what really made me happy was having some sort of balance and that um, life isn't always about mutually exclusive choices. It's possible to have a bit of everything that you want. Um, And, you know, something... Going back to something you said earlier about courage, um, of feeling the fear and doing it anyway, I, I think I was always afraid of not excelling, of perhaps being average. And so now, for me... This is about having the courage to do something from a place of balance and without feeling a, a need to excel or achieve. And, and by doing that, having access to other things that are important to me, such as, and I think Diana was talking about this earlier, like an appreciation of art and family and friends. And, you know, for me, music and literature... And all of these things that actually really do give me a sense of purpose and a place in the world and finding time for these things, not just focusing everything on the job.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and I guess also, Amy, that's really it's really wonderful to hear that. I guess also the the thing that strikes me is getting that sense of joy and purpose from the little things in life as well, Um, which I think we're never taught when we're younger, are we? We're never taught that. You know, a walk in in a beautiful wood is going to give us some kind of meaning and purpose, as much as uh, achieving a certain result in your exam or whatever it is. I'm actually going to throw it open to the last for the last question to everybody. Actually, what advice would you offer somebody who doesn't feel as though they're getting much meaning from their work? Amy, do you want to talk about that first? Yes.
3: So. I would say take a breath and trust your instinct. Um, Talk, this is just stuff that I did as well. Um, Talk to friends. It's amazing and very surprising how many people you know that will have asked themselves whether they are enjoying their job, they will have questioned whether they are really finding their work meaningful, purposeful. Um, It's really helpful to talk to people in other careers to your own. but most importantly, I would say invest in yourself um, and get to know yourself better, however you think that might work best for you. For me, career coaching was really useful um, and getting to know myself was how I managed to make changes.
0: So, yeah,
1: that would be
3: my advice. Thank you.
0: thank you, Diana and Sean, any top tips for those who've lost a sense of purpose at work?
1: I think from my perspective, um, Susie, I, you know, I'm quite analytical as a person um, and going back to that sense of self-awareness, I think it's really important to look at your work day and understand what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy and look at what space um, there might be. And obviously we don't have complete control, but we do have more control often than we think we have. Um, about actually adding those activities or those tasks that we enjoy the most. And really going back to that sort of little things, whether it's a conversation with a colleague or whether it's some quiet reflection time, um, you know, or whether it's understanding a problem better. It's really those sort of micro practices that make our day today more enjoyable. Um, and I would also say really understand time and ensure that, you know, if if that pleasure and joy can't be derived from work, maybe it's a really nice cup of coffee or maybe it's that 10 minute, 15 minute walk at lunchtime where you feel the sun on your face or it's phoning a friend that so always makes you laugh. It's just building that practice day after day of a small piece of sunshine in your day and that makes everything, even the most, you know, tedious or, you know, depressing job feel better. And I think, you know, if we are in a good place in our minds and in ourselves, we we can feel better in, in the places outside ourselves.
0: Very wise advice, I think, Diana, very wise indeed. Um, I love your, your your comment about taking control because I think that there's so much that we can do within our current roles. So... Uh Sean's made a, more of a seismic shift in, in his work, but I don't think it necessarily has to be like that. And the number of people that come to me as clients and say, I hate my job, I need to leave. And then actually, once you've, as Amy says, you've actually begun to think more about what do you enjoy about it? And you shift and experiment with doing things differently. You can find a lot of meaning and purpose actually in your existing roles. So thanks for that. Sean, any top tips from you?
2: Yeah, just, uh, you know, having made that seismic shift, I would absolutely still agree with the others. I think, you know, there's this saying, isn't there, you can't pour from an empty cup. And I think we put a huge, you know, speaking on behalf of all millennials, (laughs) uh, we, you know, as a generation, but I think this is probably true for a lot of people in in service professions, especially, we put this huge pressure on ourselves that work should provide us with all this purpose and meaning and... If you flip that, you know, if you think about building what Amy and Diana are saying, like, where do you draw energy from? What do you bring to the role? How can you bring joy to your colleagues? And, um, you know, if you don't have that energy and you need to go out and find that somewhere else, it doesn't have to be a sabbatical. It doesn't have to be um, making a drastic change, but just really thinking about not being able to pour from an empty cup.
0: Yeah, loving that, loving it. Are there any key moments in anybody's life when they've had a big value shift?
1: I think it's a really interesting time now, actually, um, because we've all been through a really difficult and, you know, to use an overused word, unprecedented time. And it's really sort of forced us to spend a lot of time with ourselves um, and maybe not have a lot of those um support uh systems that we would have had in place in terms of seeing family seeing friends enjoying art um and live music and um I think definitely for me it's been a sort of moment of reckoning and reprioritization and sense of you know really big questions and I look around me whether it's colleagues or friends or um or the sort of wider trends, I think there is a, a big, big moment of, of thinking that is, is happening because of what we've been through in the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a real time to reflect, isn't it? Real time to reflect. Amy, did you want to add something there? Just,
3: yeah. So for me, it happened when I got what I thought was my dream job, um, doing um, very exciting high-profile work um, at a very prestigious firm and so it was as if all my dreams had suddenly come true and gradually over the, the space of the three years that I was there everything that I thought I wanted out of my career just gradually unraveled because it made me quite unhappy doing that type of work and that was a real a real um, shock I suppose um, and a real, confrontation um for what you know it was that's probably the wrong the wrong way to phrase it what i meant was it was just a big um in the face really that i don't really know what i want for myself um and what i thought i wanted makes me quite unhappy mm.
0: That's a really difficult place to be, isn't it and And that's when change happens, doesn't it? when something really confronts your sense of who you are and your sense of identity and and that's when you're sort of open to if if you are open and you are reflective to making that change happen um, which is yeah fascinating. I'd like to provoke you as listeners to think about really how your work connects with what you care about but Actually, more broadly, um, picking up on some of the themes from this evening, how your life connects with what you care about. What might you like to change? Answers to me, please. Thank you. I'd like to thank you, all of you, for all three of you for your great insights and sharing so much of your of your career experiences. If you've enjoyed the podcast, be sure to look out for more in these series. Uh, the book Stories from the Career Couch will be published by the end of the year. So look out for that too. And thank you everybody for a really rich and uh, interesting and uh, open experience and thanking for bearing your souls a little bit. So thanks very much.